What's up, Coda I Radio Network? This is your boy, DJ Barbecue, and you're listening to Uncut Live. This is our boys, Bear Within Us, with their hit single, Baker. Find them on Spotify and iTunes now. On today's show, we have Austin Fouts from Rugged Pro Wrestling. He comes on the show. He's from Central Iowa. And we're going to talk to him today and see how he's doing and where did Rugged Pro all get his start. That being said, Austin, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, Let's get down to the nitty gritty. We're not going to ask the same usual questions that anybody else does on a podcast, but let's get down to it. Um, How did Rugged Pro get started? Rugged Pro got started. So uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for uh, coming on. Absolutely. Rugged Pro Wrestling. uh, I've the short, sweet answer that's not so short (laughs) is I've been wrestling for about five years now when I started training and stuff and started doing shows. Um, And I was the guy who, where I trained, I was always told to kind of shut up and, you know, take my place, uh, be grateful to even be acknowledged or anything like that. And I thought, you know, at, at first I thought it for myself, but then as I slowly realized, I realized there's so many more guys out there that are, are kind of told to stay in their own lane and kind of sit back and sit behind the others. So I wanted a place that was no BS, that was a place for wrestlers to succeed based on their talent. Um, Rugged Pro Wrestling is a place, uh, Christopher Manning, uh, by from photos by Manning said it best. Rugged Pro is the land of the misfit toys. We are a company that we are going to take the guys that you normally don't see get the opportunity to be spotlight, have that spotlight on them, and we give them the spotlight. And if they make it work, they make it work. If they don't, they sink. It is 100% on the wrestlers and their ability to get over to get over. Okay, uh, that sounds like a, a good point. I mean, you have to, you know, do what it takes to get over. Um, go in a little more detail on uh, what it, what you have for the blueprint of this, and where did you start with it? I mean, you said it's the land of the Midfist toys, which is a great way to kick off the holiday season. Um, and I and I like that analogy because uh, a lot of individuals that don't uh, get the chance to be in the upper card or even at the main event level, they can actually prove themselves here. Uh, like I said, but go in a little more detail about it. So with with the whole process and how we, how it came to be was essentially <laughs> so I decided to start this company and I, I wanted to try to be cool and mysterious about it and work the fans. So I, I attempted to make a, you know, a who's in charge of rugged pro thing. And it's funny because it ended up working the wrestlers, the boys in the back more than it did the fans, The the wrestlers were making a bigger deal about it than the fans were. The fans just wanted Marshalltown, Iowa, which is where we're based out of, to have some professional wrestling to have something to go off of. Um, but it kind of got this uh, negative outreach from a couple of the guys at first that were just kind of saying, hey, you know, we get it to you, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hey, that's awesome that you get it. It's not supposed to be tricking you. <laughs> um, so finally we just said, hey, you know what? Forget it. We're going to go January 26, 2019. We're going to start running. And we just went off to the races. Um, our first event was actually canceled due to weather. So yeah, that was not a good start for the company that was told they were never going to make it. Right. I mean, you <laughs> are doing that in January, so that's kind of a tricky thing to do in the Midwest. Right, and Midwest. that was a you know a first time a first time promoter's mistake. <laughs> um. So that first show didn't happen. Then finally, March 30th, we had our real debut in Marshalltown, Iowa at the Impala Ballroom. And it went off, uh, I'd say without a hitch. It was an amazing show. It was well-received by the wrestling community as well as the fans. And the only problem was is I don't quite think we had anybody's trust yet. I think there were still a lot of doubters and a lot of people that uh, weren't sold on the whole concept and they weren't sold on our ability to provide that wrestling on a regular basis. Because again, you know, we spent over a year hyping that first show 
just for it not to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, go into a little so more frankly, detail why why you think uh, that it, people weren't really too uh, ready to uh, jump on board uh, with the promotion. Is it because that you weren't really well known in the wrestling community in this kind of like that area, you know, you could say, i.e. the territory? Or was it just because people are being more cautious because of certain experiences they've had in the past? So at the time, I was very well uh, sheltered, for lack of better terms, by the promotion that trained me. I really don't want to knock on them too much, so I probably won't name them by name. Um, but they, their idea was to train wrestlers to wrestle for their company. They were not making independent wrestling stars. They were making uh, blank, blank superstars. Okay. Um, so with that being said, is in Iowa, myself and my tag team partner at the time, Tyler Jones, we were not very well known outside of our home promotion because we were given, you know, restrictions on what we were allowed to do at other places by this promotion and all these other things. So it wasn't cutting the mustard. So we actually made a name for ourselves by getting books up in Minnesota, over in Wisconsin. Uh, we did a couple things down in Kansas. We did, uh, we went over to North Dakota. We went all over everywhere, but Iowa as a tag team. And it worked out very well for us. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. It got to the point where I was actually able, uh, until I got engaged, I was actually able to live off wrestling for well over a year. Wrestling was my only source of income. That's how good things were going. Um, and that's you know that's not living at my mom's house. That's paying for my rent at my apartment, paying food, paying gas, all that was able. I was able to do with just off wrestling. So, I came back with kind of this chip on my shoulder which was not well-deserved. I did not, you know, it was because I worked hard. It wasn't, but it didn't give me that right. I should not have been the way I was. I kind of came back and was like, hey, you know what? If I can do this for myself, why am I not helping other people be able to do this? So that's kind of the big kick in the gonads was, hey, you know what? These guys are sitting here wrestling the same company once a month. That's all they're doing. They're superstars in this town. I want to build a brand and I want to eventually teach people that there's more than one way to do, you know, local indie wrestling. <clears throat> so the, the plan was actually, you know, thinking of before the wrestling promotion was I wanted to start a school, not where I taught the wrestling because I firmly believe I'm more of a, I'm a better side to teach the gimmick stuff. And I was going to bring in individuals to do the actual wrestling training. So that was kind of me thinking before we got started was this is what I want to do. Well, I need a promotion for them to wrestle at to get ready to go out and do their own thing. Did you have a lot of wrestling promotions or schools in this Marshalltown area? No, in Marshalltown, no. It was, uh, I think in Iowa, though, there, when I was training, there was only like four. And now I think there's actually like five or six different places you can go train in Iowa now, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's really been a boom in uh, professional wrestling in all uh, levels of the area. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what, you know, I I enjoy is a lot of the promotions, like I said, they want to get guys that will wrestle. Because as a promoter, you want, you know, guys that can wrestle good and guys that are wrestle cheap. So what's the best way to do that than to perfect your own talent, to read your own talent, and to keep them close to the chest? So I'm not knocking on this company for doing that, but I was sitting here going, man, I can make 20 bucks a night wrestling for this guy, <laughs> you know, and wrestling once or twice a month, or I can go out and do it, you know, all the time. So that was the plan was to, like I said, the first plan was to start the school. And now we've actually kind of backed up and we're probably not going to do that for a little bit, maybe next year or so. But then just through that process, I ended up falling in love with the idea of the promotion Rugged Pro. I kind of was like, hey, let's start thinking about the shows because obviously we can't wait, you know, a whole year before we start doing shows. We'll have to do shows to start. <laughs> right. Um, we'll have to, you know, bring in other guys to get this ready. So that's where just through that process of me thinking, hey, I'm here to prove people wrong. Because people are like, oh, you can't make money in indie wrestling at this level. You can't. 
And as, uh, before this phone call, I don't think you were too familiar with who I am. Uh, I think <laughs> I had I had a, a concept on who might have been part of Rugged Pro Wrestling in the uh, background. Uh, okay. Yeah, personally, no. Uh, but like I've, you know, as you know, I, I know quite a bit of promotions. I know quite a bit of the wrestlers in those promotions in this area in the Midwest. Um, not so much out west-west part, but like more of the eastern uh, central part of this tri-state area. I kind mm -hmm. of familiar with some of them and I'm getting, you know, to know more and more of them. But yeah, like on a personal level, I didn't know you, but that's the, that's the concept. That's the base of the show is to get the word out for like independent wrestlers. I mean, I can get the big names if I want. I have an outlet to do that. But mm -hmm. they always get on radios. They get every, you know, they, they get on there all the time. So to hear it from the people that get the start, because, I mean, let, let's be real. Everybody, even if you go back to the territory days, this independent wrestling is like the territory days. Now, with the big boom that we have now, that's kind of like the main level territory days, because, you know, you have them branching out. You have all these different promotions that are, you know, in, in fans and, uh, casual fans' minds, they think that, you know, they're trying to, you know, compete against each other and put people out of business, which, I mean, that's not, that's far from the truth. But <clears throat> I, I see your concept. So to, like, put it in, like, a little bit more uh, easier terms for people to understand, it's not somebody that's being upset, jaded, that didn't get his chance. It's more of getting uh, a wide variety of people a chance to perform and to grow. Um that usually doesn't get a chance to grow in other promotions, which I see both sides. I, I totally do. Uh, I'm not trying to play, you know, equal number here, but I get your idea. I mean, I get your point. There's a lot of times where you, you get trained, you do these shows, you get familiar, and then you want to do a new challenge. And that's the point. You need to challenge yourself. So you either step up to the challenge or you, you know, fall down and, and, and it's all on you at, at that point. So absolutely. Um, with Rugged Pro, what was your concept of doing? Were you wanting to do like one show every month, uh, you know, three shows a year? You know, what was that concept? Where was that blueprint getting formed at? So I'm, I'm willing to admit I was wrong when I first started the idea of doing the shows and stuff. I was sitting here going, all right, well, we're definitely going to do Marshalltown every month. And then we're going to run maybe two or three spot shows each month in different places. <laughs> Like I got way too ahead of myself. I um so after just the first after that cancellation and then we had some issues fall through with like a money guy on one of our spot shows, I said, Hey, let's just slow the pace down. Let's build you know, if if I was to build a house, the most important part of that house is the foundation. Yep. And if I'm just sitting here just just rushing through that, my house is gonna fall down very fast. So I was, you know, I just kind of was realized like, Hey, if I keep rushing this, it's going to be like, you know, any other indie promotion that you see pop up and go. <laughs> and I don't want to be that. And it, and it really stunk that even after our first couple shows, people were still saying that's all we were going to be. So it makes me feel good to know that now nobody can take this away from me. You know, we've laid down the foundation probably for this year and next year, we're going to be running, uh, quarterly, so four four big shows a year, and then we're gonna kind of keep adding shows, and then we're gonna hopefully become that monthly basis of here in Marshalltown, and then I'll add in all the other fun stuff, um, slowly but surely. There's no there's no reason for me to try to uh, rush this. See, that's where I, I I found myself getting caught up, and I was reminded by a well-known individual in the professional wrestling in the, the upper epilon, um, epsilon, uh, area of pro wrestling. I mean, he's wrestled for WWE. He's wrestled for WCW. He's trained in OVW wrestled for OVW multi-time world champ there. Um, and they're just, uh, OVW is just coming on to YouTube a little bit more and getting more of a popularity. Cause that's kind of like TV now. Um, that's kind of like your mainstream TV almost, because that's where a lot of them are putting their shows at. Uh, you see AEW doing that WWE's done it for years, but they kind of changed their format and, and kind of moving back there a little bit. But I got to the point to where, when I was bringing promotion, uh, to my home city, 
uh, I would always get kind of frustrated a little bit. Yeah, you know, there should be more fans there. I did it for a fundraiser. I wish the community would have stepped up a little bit more. But at the same time, like, he says it's a grind. It, it's a build. You have to take your time. It's not going to come just in, like, a, a year or two. You have to keep moving. And Absolutely. I had to sit back and think about it. Like, yeah, you know, I could sit there and be and, and be jaded and be chipped and be like, okay, why isn't people there? But, yeah, if you're running more shows too many times, um, it, it kind of gets watered down and people are just like, okay, we already went to one show. Why do we need to go to another? You know, and, and people are getting really um, – I don't know if this is the lack for better word, but they're getting conservative with their money. They're not wanting to spend their money um, that much. So, I mean, I get your point and I have to uh, agree with you. You know, the best way to go at this is to admit that you were wrong in in certain situations and then you move forward and then build that blueprint, blueprint, not blueprint, but blueprint. (laughs) And then, you know, uh, just keep building it bigger and bigger and slowly, but surely it'll happen. Like, you know, like, like you said, it's not going to, you know, just come, uh, you know, in, a, in another month or another year. It just, you got to keep chipping at it. So I, I see Absolutely. what you're saying. Um, but we definitely, the, the important thing is, though, is I hate, and it's another thing I like, that like Rugged Pro is going to be doing different, that we do different, is that I feel a lot of these independent shows are trying too hard to model WWE in the sense of, I've seen a lot of promotions just be kind of like, let's, you know, we can leave. This show's not that important because we're building to this show. Our, what we do at Rugged Pro, and it's, and it's gone over very well, is every show needs to be a spectacle without overdoing it to the point where it kind of uh, ruins, you know, ruins the show where, you know, oh, that last show had 15 tables. So, you know, now tables mean nothing. I hate that. But we do try to make sure that every match means something, that every show in itself is an entire story. Right. But while also letting things carry over, the main part is that if somebody comes to a Rugged Pro event, we want you to be able to learn who the characters are, uh, sympathize or hate that character, and then leave the end of the night feeling like something was achieved. Right. Because yeah, you, I mean, we obviously we have storylines that go from show to show, uh, a handful, but uh, the the major the main part, like I said, is I want a first time wrestling fan to come to a show of ours, and they will learn over the course of the night whether it's, you know, well obviously we'll have to alternate some of those things sometimes to make sure you know stories are fresh and all that, but we want everybody to be able to come. And you could be a first-time person at the show, and you'll get to see an entire story arc that doesn't feel rushed, that doesn't feel forced, but to be able to fall in love with that character all in one show and still want to come back to the next one. Right. You know, a lot of people, you can also say a lot of the, the casual fans or the new fans for professional wrestling that gets used to it, they see that. Um, and I noticed this and I had my faults on this too. And I don't know if you have, when you go to like a WWE live event, which I, I, that people get confused with that. It's the house show event. Or even if you go to their live, like recorded, you know, TV, uh, broadcasted show, it is different seeing it live than it is watching it on TV because you don't hear the announcers unless they're in the ring and they're trying to, you know, make the mass uh, studio um, fans there, and I call it a studio because that's what it is. It's it, every arena is a studio for them when they go. Yeah, absolutely. But like, I think that's what is amazing about Midwest professional wrestling because, to be honest with you, there's a lot of times we didn't have this knowledge that it even existed in the Midwest where I'm from, and I'm from a city of ten thousand. No, it's not really ten thousand people anymore. I mean, it it was when I first came here, um, and that was like in the late eighties, early nineties. And now it's like, you know, about 19,000 people with the college Mm -hmm. and the division one school going in session and which is a nice size city, not, you know, what other people see. Uh, even if you go in the Des Moines area, that's, that's like a a village compared to what Des Moines in that area has. Um, or even in (laughs) Omaha, I mean, Omaha is like a Metroplex way compared to what we have, but, um, I think that's what you, what's unique about the tri-state area of professional wrestling is the fact that, with that independent, it, it is different. It gives you a different feel. It's not like WWE. 
It's not like AEW. And quite frankly, a lot of those wrestlers, like look at Airwolf, for instance. I noticed him, and I knew that he was on your show. Yeah. But I noticed him at Wrestle One, I think is in Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis. They do a couple shows every couple months. Um, and, a fr- and a friend of mine mm-hmm. went to that with his a couple of his friends. And that's how I saw MJF. And that's how I saw a lot of the other ones that are pretty popular. Um, there's a unique form on how they they work. And now that you have someone like, you know, Midwest All Pro Wrestling here, you have the, the people down in Omaha with those three major companies down there. You know, now this is wrestling. Um, um, Magnum Pro. You have PWP, I think. Is that isn't that in Iowa? PWP or is that in Nebraska? I, I there's so many of them, I get confused. But just uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. But think, but uh, just the name of a few of those, uh, and then with uh, you guys with Rugged Pro, that gives you the triangle trifecta, and I think it shows how strong it can be. Because quite frankly, you're not the first one that's probably been told that oh, it's not going to work. You know, it you ain't going to do anything. It's going to be a one and show, done and show. Uh, and I think that's what's wrong with a lot of Midwestern um, thinking when it comes to hearing professional wrestling. I think it's like when you say that, and you probably can agree with me, you tell people that you watch professional wrestling or you do it, and they just kind of look at you like like you're the dumbest person in the world. You know, it's it's no different than movies. It's no different than, you know, some other things that people watch on a regular but I gotta mm-hmm. give it, give you props though, man. You really uh, keeping committed to it, uh, and and just keep it up. I mean, it's it's a work, it's a grind. Um, now that I've went on that little kind of a rant, what are some <laughs> of your uh, wrestlers that you've you've started? So like for the viewers and listeners, because we'll have this on on YouTube, we'll have it on um, our Facebook page at the Coda I Radio Network, uh, and then you guys will be able to share it on your Rugged Pearl page too. Um, Absolutely. What was your wrestlers that you started with for your first show to give it that first big feel for the fans? That first show, and I hate, I hate this, but it was also the smartest move business wise. Was is the, for the first show, it had myself and uh, Brandon Juarez in the main event in a street fight. That was because this is just me being flat out honest. Is Marshalltown? I was the only guy from Marshalltown. So, of course, I'm going to be the hometown boy on that first show. Um, so we did a big thing. And it's, and it's the truth, too, is because I was honestly debating on uh, hanging up the boots. And the plan was for me to uh, retire from in-ring competition that night. And I was just going to focus on the promoting aspect. And that was it. And um, that was obviously things changed. Uh, actually, probably about 30 minutes before we went out was when we flipped it and decided that I was going to stay wrestling. Um, but for that first show, I just went through and I handpicked just some of the guys I thought were the best. Um, our first project, um, the way I'm going to go about it is I'm just going to pick some pick certain individuals and I'm going to uh, elaborate a little bit on them. Our first yeah. project yeah. was uh, a team we put together called the Wild Boys. It was Jimmy Wild and a guy who wrestled in another promotion, he was called uh, Barbosa over there. And he was an example, Barbosa was an example of somebody that I thought had all the potential in the world, but they just kept putting him in the same box. They're like, hey, you can do a funny, you know, funny accent. That's what you're going to be. And we took him on a... Well, I ended up not making the trip up. Uh, my buddy Tyler and a couple others, they took him on a trip up to Minnesota to wrestle for a promotion. And it just so happened they had to end up putting him in the main event. Oh, right on. <laughs> like, it was just, you know, uh, you know, card subject to change type thing. Right. <laughs> that somehow he showed up. He was supposed to be doing, like, a squash match, and he ended up wrestling in the main event. And I got a call from the promoter afterward and from my friends. They said he absolutely killed it. Very cool. And so that's crazy because all he's been is just a, uh, you know, a, San, a Santino Morella-esque type character, you know, or an R-Truth of today, you know, which isn't bad. That's plenty of TV time. He was always getting bookings, but he was capable of so much more and he could do it. Because I'm not right. saying he was, he was put in that position because that's all he could do, 
It's just nobody wanted to give him the opportunity to prove he could, you know, he could do more. As an so we example. gave him that opportunity. Yep. Yeah, we put him in a tag, the tag team with Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's another guy who he's a phenomenal talent. I don't think anybody ever doubted him, but he de- certainly was somebody who people were sleeping on. You know, they're both smaller guys, so they kind of got slept on a little bit. But they came out there and they tore the house down in a tag team match, and they became uh, the Midwest Tag Champions that night. And they absolutely stole the hearts of you know of the crowd. And it made me feel great to know that I didn't have to keep myself in there to ensure that the shows would have you know drawing characters which i think that's just a, a thing as a promoter i was worried about but those guys set especially for that first show i was like okay we got something to build on here um and then on that same show and this, this is what's so funny about it because when i get to the point later is there's this guy named nikki Sint, and i thought he was Again, one of those guys that I thought he was good in his character and stuff, but I thought, like, hey, we're booking his trainer. We'll book him, too. You know, like, we might as well. We can get him for a good deal. We'll right. bring him in. And in that show, he wrestled the Wild Boys in that tag match. And I just, as I watched that match over and over again, I just noticed little things of him, uh, you know, keeping things on the rails. I well, said, let's... Man, Let's let's get back to that point after we get uh, a word from our sponsors, okay? Absolutely. All right. Is it your dream to become a professional wrestling superstar, manager, or referee? Well, you can make that dream a reality by training with Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Learn from former WWE superstar and NXT coach Eugene Nick Dinsmore. Classes are training right now, so go to MidwestAllPro.com and click on training to enroll today. Imagine a world. Where boring DJs play the same 40 songs over and over. Another deep cut by Aerosmith. Walk this way on Boring 102.7. Where radio stations play 16 minutes of commercials every hour. (laughs) This is Gary from Gary Chevrolet. And I'm Carrie from Gary Chevrolet. Where the request line just rings. And rings and rings and rings. That would suck. Radio doesn't have to suck. The only live local rock and roll radio show anywhere in the Sioux Empire. Actually playing music in the morning and the music you want to hear. Your requests at 605-215-5272. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Tune in at KBackRadio.com on Apple Music or on your Alexa or Google Home enabled device. Also on the Live 365 and tune in mobile radio apps. KBackRadio.com. This isn't some corporate VP of programming's rock. This is our rock. So you were going there uh, talking about uh, Nikki Scent. Now, he's a kind of a throwback to kind of one of those uh, iconic uh, WWE guys. Uh, I'll let you go into detail, and you can say that because he's, he's one of your guys. So go ahead. So I, I love giving, you know, Nikki Scent exactly what he said. He's kind of a throwback. He gives me that uh, maybe like uh, a dash of Val Venus, a splash of Rick Rude. A little bit of that Shawn Michaels, you know, at, a, at, that, at his peak and stuff. And but while also bringing such a new flair and style to his to the character. Uh, Nikki is somebody that he I, – I hated it at first because he, at first he was more going for like a, uh, like a, you know, a Tommy Hilfiger model kind of look. He was wrestling in the Tims and the jeans. He'd come out with a spray bottle, spraying himself all up. And I didn't love it at first, honestly. Um, but that first show, when I, when I watched the work, when I watched the work behind the gimmick, I was amazed. So we gave him another opportunity at the next show, and it was the same thing. You know, he changed up his stuff, you know, and I didn't tell him he had to. He did this all on his own. He, he's smart enough to realize that if he wants to be a professional wrestler, he has to look and dress and act like a professional wrestler. So he came up, he changed his stuff up. Uh, he ended up going to the bow tie. Uh, the purple trunks, all that. It was phenomenal. He came out there again and stole the show. And I was like, man, this guy's wrestling with guys on every level of the spectrum. And he's stealing the show every time. But everybody always looks at the other guy. Well, says, oh, I can agree with that. you on that because I've seen pictures of how Nikki Scent looked before. And I'm not, when I say this, I'm not dogging on him 
Um, but I'm just saying, like, he didn't stand out when he wore, like, mm-hmm. and I call it the, uh, you know, the I called it the starter starter kit for for the, yep. the people that went to the high school that I went to, the, the, the popular kids, you know, the preppies, the kind of the evolve of preppy. But when he went to that different look, and now I'm going to say what he looked like, because some of the viewers and listeners aren't old enough to remember this, but there was Rick Martell, the model Martell, Absolutely. who wore that color, that bow tie, that, that purplish lavender uh, tights. And, you know, he has the spray bottle. He doesn't have the, the, uh, the bug spray bottle, like the old you know, days where, you know, like Rick Martell had, but he stood out now. He looks like a wrestler. He doesn't look like somebody, and it's not wrong. I mean, you start out like that. You have all these different, you evolve uh, eventually. I mean, I've seen plenty of guys that it's just amazing. And I see uh, memories on my Facebook page of what they looked like back then, and they don't look any way like that now. And it's just that progression, and it's a good thing. Absolutely. And just, I watched him on all these shows, right? And he's one of the most sound wrestlers. And he's just being used like he's nothing because, and this is not me knocking on the older guys. It's nothing like that. I Please, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. But it's, it's a very common thing in the Midwest where um, if you weren't trained at Black and Brave or if you haven't been doing this for however many years of friends and good buddies and promoter, you didn't get a, you didn't get a good spot like that. And that's, again, it's not a knock, but it's, it's something that I wanted to do different. I want the guys who earn it and deserve it to get that opportunity. And Nikki was that guy. He walked into our uh, our last show, the best in the Midwest tournament we had, and he went into that show as a heel, as a bad guy. He put on one of my favorite matches against Jimmy Wilde, uh, in recent memory at least. <laughs> um, they tore the house down. And at the end of that match, the match started with, you know, them booing him out of the building. Nobody, you know, nobody wanted him around to after that match, you know, everybody, they started to see it. They started to see like, Hey, he's showing signs of like, this guy's a great wrestler. This guy's a great wrestler. He's showing the promise. Um, As the night went on again, let's just start at the beginning. He was hated fast forward to the end. People were standing on their feet cheering for him. Um, I'm so mad that our, camera guy missed that missed that portion but there's just a phenomenal reaction that there was there um you know Nikki got that belt going going that he had he, from the pictures i see uh nikki said you could see that people's reactions changed from the beginning um absolutely the one thing that i can say that I, i'll even say it since i don't own a promotion but that is a common thing that i've heard like oh well you know he's from black and brave I like Brack and Brave. I think it's awesome that a WWE superstar is there. I like how the fact that they give an opportunity, a, a little bit more of a uh, neon light for people to look at and say, mm-hmm. hey, look, we have these type of you know level promotions here. But people fall in that mentality to say, well, if you're not from there, well, then you, you're not really going to be a main, main star. You're just only going to be that lower level. And that's the mentality that needs to stop. I've seen that a lot. It's going to change when individuals take that risk and change it themselves, but it's not going to change. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing where if you're been in any community, any city, any, any town where only the individuals with parents that have a last name, that's well-known around that community. They're the only ones that get a start. They're the only ones that get this. And then half the time those kids, you know, I'm not making fun of any of the kids because I'm an adult, but I've seen it. I grew up with it and I've seen it with some of these other individuals I'm sorry, but you use your name to jumpstart your kid's career and your kid doesn't have the skills. He relies on that name, which then is a downfall for the athlete than themselves or the individual that's doing the, the, the coaching or whatever. You, you, uh, you chain yourself into a corner and you can't get out of it. And then you're not having that little area to like evolve and to like grow. So you're just limiting yourself into one little, uh, you know, I guess a demographic or one little slot where you could grow. It's like that whole mentality. Why think locally? And my actually, my college professor told me this. Why think globe or locally when you could think globally? So what he's saying is, is why would you want to be that store that advertises in a small region 
why don't you be that small store and advertise in that global region? And then that means that you have that big extra space to grow. It's not limited. So, um, Nikki sent one hell of a athlete. I think he's great. He's come very far in a short period of time. And I think you're just, you know, you're noticing the same thing. There's just ups and ups with him. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's one of those things that he was trained by a phenomenal wrestler. He was trained by, trained by Jason Strife uh, over at Magnum. He did a phenomenal job with him. I, there's, I, I just hate that he just people keep thinking of him. I, okay, you know, yeah, you're Strife's boy. Come along. Um, I saw some – he has one of the best attitudes. And that's, that's uh, you know, I think something that a lot of people don't think about. You know, they just think about what they see in the ring. But uh, Nikki said, I cannot – recommend him to anybody more because before the rugged stuff him and i we barely ever talked we didn't know each other um but he has honestly became one of my favorite people in wrestling based off of his hey you tell me to jump i'll say how high my attitude his willingness to do what needs to be done he's a phenomenal worker um he worked three times that night (laughs) and he didn't uh complain or moan not once uh nothing but thank yous he stayed till everything was done He's, I couldn't recommend him more to anybody. Right, and I think that's another thing. You you said Magnum, you said Jason Strife. I know him. He's very good at what he does, and that's the work ethic that you guys have in this Midwest, in this tri-state area. The work ethic with these guys that are here are, are phenomenal, um, and I think that shows that we're above a lot of other areas uh, within the United States of, of wrestling. Um, and I'm saying that because I'm proud of the Midwest. And everybody mm-hmm. should be proud of the Midwest professional wrestling. Whoever is a fan in the Midwest and they see these indie promotions, I recommend people go to their shows. If you can't go to the shows every time that they have a show, because there's a lot of uh, promotions now than what it was back in the in the 80s, uh, and even in the early 90s and late 90s. Because I remember I didn't hear any about any of these. Because you know, obviously, you didn't have Facebook, you didn't have you know social media in general. But no, you're right. He. Uh, he he's definitely one of those hard hard workers and will do anything to help the promotion and anything to to better himself. Absolutely. Um he's somebody that I I <laughs> I I love him to death and I hope I hope for the best. But if anybody could just if they could just wait a little bit longer to find him, <laughs> that'd be great because I love having him around the rugged shows. Oh, so you, before, I don't blame you. You're just, that, that's just <laughs> smart thinking right there. Cause you want to keep those good guys, but at the same time, they're going to evolve and, you know, Absolutely. enjoy the and time that you have that with them. I, I'd be willing to put, you know, everything I own down that if he keeps on the track, he's going, he's going to get signed. He is somebody that I, you know, I'd put all my marbles in the Nikki set basket and that's, you know, maybe not the smartest thing, but it's, it didn't even feel like a doesn't even feel like a you know like a risk. Well, he's such a surefire shot. If he keeps if he keeps doing what he's doing, you know, the sky's the limit for Nikki Sent. I, I I've always been told like if you're not willing to take risks, then why are you in the business in the first place? And that goes in in anything. It it, it goes into the real estate business, into the uh, sales business, into the bar and grill, restaurant, food business, and, and and I would think that in professional wrestling, if you're not willing to take a risk, then why are you in the business? Absolutely. So with Nikki Sent you have one of those top talent that has evolved within the Midwest uh, teachings and schoolings. Who else have you taken that you've seen that maybe hasn't been able to go to that upper level that you took onto one of your shows? Cause let's, let's concentrate on that first show still. Cause it's very ex- interesting on the, the individuals, the characters that you had there. So let's go with another individuals or even a tag team uh, that you've noticed that, you know, changed that did what Nikki said did. From that first show, I'd have to say another person that I think did something there. And it's a shame that we haven't been able to bring him back quite yet. He will be back for December, but that would be uh, the Wanderer, A.C. Riley. He's a he's, he's evolving. Right now he's in that process of evolving, going through the changes. So right now some people might be a little confused, but he's going through the process. And I know from where he was to where he's going, and I see the vision, and it's going to be amazing. He's uh, – are you familiar with AC Riley? I've heard of the name. Uh, I haven't seen any of the work other than like picture stills. 
Uh, but yes, I've heard of the name. Um, he's well, he's somebody that you need to get more familiar with. He's another one of those guys that he he uh, is based out of Lacrosse, Wisconsin, for uh, River City Championship Wrestling over there. Um, that's how we met when I was over there as their tag champions with Tyler Jones as Flexfield. Um, and he's just he's a big guy. He he reminds me of like imagine if Kane just spent the whole time he was you know, gone wherever he was. I just imagine if he spent all that time in a junkyard trying to assemble his, you know, his attire. <laughs> um, AC Riley is somebody that he's, he's a beast. He's a monster. And he's somebody that I think was another one that was labeled as somebody who's going to be nothing. And he said, that's awesome. I'm glad you think that way because watch me prove you wrong. AC Riley is another one that behind the scenes I could if, if I had to miss a show for some reason like if there's some reason I wouldn't be able to run the show he'd be the guy I'd pick to run it right on because he has such a good mind for everything and everything he does makes sense whether or not you uh, you see it from the initial time you see it but when you look at the grand picture he's a big picture guy and when you look at the big picture you go oh my god how did I not think of that that is amazing he will be returning uh, in uh, mixed tag action on our December show. And I, I feel bad for the team he's up against. Uh, the Slades, uh, Ryan Slade and his wife, Selena Slade, will be, she'll be making her in-ring debut at that December show. And I am amazed. I'm amazed how far she's come in her training and stuff. But this will be her first match. But I kind of gave her a, a hard bone because you could be in there with the Wanderer, AC Riley, and Heather Reckless, who is a Heather Reckless is a Black and Brave student, and she's a phenomenal athlete as well. Yeah, she. Uh, I, I've heard of Heather Reckless. I've seen a couple things uh, on Facebook and on social media and YouTube. Um, she is. She's legit. She's an athlete. That's for. That's for sure. You can't. You know. Uh, you 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 see her and sometimes people are like oh well you know what's she gonna be able to do, but no she she can do stuff so that's pretty uh pretty cool now you said this is gonna be in December now correct me if I'm wrong but I think you have a unique poster for your December show, and it's kind of based off an iconic uh cult movie, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. So, <laughs> so we have we have our you know our poster that'll go around town which you know is a little more. Uh, gener- I don't want to say generic, but a little more traditional to wrestling posters. But throughout this month, we'll actually be posting uh, parody posters of famous Christmas movies. Um, and the first one that we put out was our our uh, local monster, Lars Metzger, our resident monster, Lars Metzger, as uh, on the cover of Christmas Vacation, now called Rugged Vacation. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you have a poster that, if you mail that so I can hang that up in the studio. Uh, have your Absolutely. have have your boys and and yourself and that stuff sign it. Um, I think if actually I was thinking about this. Why don't you see if you can do if you don't mind get two of those and have one of them all signed and maybe we can put that out for any of the fans to look at our social Absolutely. media accounts and we can hand those out and and give that out there. You can keep it. We can promote it between our Twitter accounts and have that said in the show that if you want that poster signed by all the athletes. Uh, go, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll get the details, but I think that's pretty cool. Cause that, that one, if you don't mind sending me one though, uh, put it in the studio here because that is the way that you, uh, put that together. That, that, that's really like not, no pun intended, but that's iconic. Iconic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause after, you know, besides our first poster, our first poster was done by AC Riley and he did a phenomenal job. Um, I just decided to do all of our stuff now is done by me. Right um, I've been doing all of our uh, event posters and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun for these. Uh, he did the first two, and then I've done everyone since, uh, and all of our other, like our match graphics and stuff. Um, that's more of just, a, you know, I can have some of the best minds in the world, but nobody's going to want to do things the exact way I do it. Well, I've said that <laughs> to uh, another couple individuals that have been on the show. You know, it's not bad for you to do things yourself. Sometimes you got to understand that, you know, you have to step back and let other people do it. So you're not stressing yourself out, but sometimes it's hard for you to instruct people, not to say that they're doing anything wrong, but when you want mm-hmm. something done, sometimes it doesn't translate 
to how you want it done in words. And then instead of like, you know, making yourself feel like you're being an, an a-hole to the individual that did it, like, it's just better just, okay, just let me do it. You, It's nothing against you. It's just like, you're probably your, your biggest critic, like I am. I'm my biggest critic on anything i've told bosses i've worked for i've told people that i've volunteered for like if if i screw something up i'm going to get on myself worse than what you're going to get on me trust me that's guaranteed because like if i'm in with the food industry that i've been in for like 22 years if something's wrong and that steak by god if i cook a steak wrong I'm, i'm gonna actually quit but there's people that understand like there's you know different levels there's times where i've screwed up uh, on a steak or something, or I didn't instruct the individual to do it well. That's, you know, being my line cook. I've gotten on myself so bad that I just about wanted to fire myself. And so like, mm-hmm. no, I, I think that that's cool. I got to give props to AC. The The stuff that he did was, uh, was awesome. I appreciate it. I think it's great. Um, I also uh, gave you off, off the phone here um, a compliment on the sign that we have for the video where it's rugged pro uh, wrestling, it's kind of sideways on a gray background. It looks like the the letters are kind of faded in the back, but it's like that, you know, no pun intended, a rugged background. So I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And now, did you come up with that, or is that AC that did that? The uh, so AC has only done two posters. Okay. He did he did the uh, the March poster and the June poster. Everything else is me. Okay. Okay. Yep, uh, and like the design itself, everything I do. You know, like all of our T-shirt designs that are rugged exclusive ones, um, all the social media pictures and everything. The only he did the two posters, and I forgot he also did the uh, digital graphic. Like if you watch one of our videos, where it's like, uh, if you watch like uh, one of our wrestling videos, usually they'll start with a like just like a rugged digital logo thing that comes up. Yeah, and he did that as well. Oh, right on. Very talented individuals that you have there, and you're very talented yourself with with those because I've seen the artwork. Uh, The video, not too familiar, so I don't want to comment on it because, um, you know, I'd be honest, I I actually was going to start stuff, and then, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Things get, you know, chaotic when it's during the certain hours of uh, dad uh, time. So so I'll I'll get a chance to go look at that. what about your your thoughts on how you, you want to do your merchandise? Now, that's kind of another part of professional wrestling, especially in the independent scene. Um, how, how do you manage that? So, as I, I had mentioned uh, at the beginning was, so when I was wrestling, you know, full-time every weekend, four times a week or whatever, um, that's where my money was. And people didn't get it. I was like, hey, you know, if you want to make money in wrestling, you've got to have merch. Um, and we did everything Tyler and I did. Uh, Tyler was just kind of the, like, he helped put up the cost, the initial cost and stuff um, to buy it. But I designed it all, everything. We did uh, teddy bears with, you know, with our Flex Appeal t-shirts. We did all sorts of different t-shirt designs. We did uh, bandanas. We did gloveless, all sorts of things. And now it's rugged. You know, we just released a new hat. Um, right now we're kind of doing a uh, NWO parody design that we're kind of pushing out there a little bit just to uh you know for another design because we already have our regular t-shirts um with our first round of t-shirts just our traditional rugged pro shirts we actually had a great opportunity to work locally with a company called the bears cave and it's a phenomenal deal it's kind of like you know uh are you familiar with like the tea publics and the tea springs and things like that yep 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 i i uh i have used uh um what was that one? It was, well, it was a different one um, that I used, but I have a couple friends that use Teespring and I kind of like how they have the virtual store up there for you. So you can actually right. pin it to your, you know, your Facebook page or your website. Um, but yeah, those are pretty, uh, pretty cool in the setups, but go into a little, um, uh, what you were saying that about those. And what's that a uh, t-shirt deal with them? Uh, it worked out phenomenally because what it is, is I don't have to, I don't have inventory in my house. I don't have to ship anything, nothing. They do all of it. I just collect the check. Right. <laughs> so that was a lot more. And especially when we were first starting out, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of capital to be buying all these things. So we kind of had to outsource, but 
through that, we started this phenomenal relationship with the Bears Cave. High quality of shirts at amazing prices, uh, both price that I'm getting and as well as to the customer. Um, it's not your traditional, you know, your cheap local print shop that's going to just give you a cheap shirt and charge out the butt. These guys are the real deal. You're getting high quality shirts at low. You're getting high quality shirt at low quality prices. So I mean, it's, it's a great deal. And then uh, sooner though, we're planning on we're keeping our relationship with them, but we're going to be coming out with some exclusive rugged shirts um, for the talent. Right on. This is a a new concept, and I hope I hope that other promotions do this. This isn't. You know, I'm not going to be upset if people steal my idea. I think people need to do this because it's a smart idea. A lot of indie wrestlers, especially like how I was when I was just living off wrestling, you don't have a lot of money to put into merch and stuff like that. It is the promoter's job. Well, okay, not just the promoters. It is both the promoter and the wrestler's job to get to get that reaction and to get the crowd behind them. It's not one or the other. It's both. You need to... That's why we focus really hard on getting the guys we have. And if they come in and they don't, then we don't use them again. But we have guys that are hard workers and they want to get themselves over, but some of them just don't have the financial means to go out and buy, you know, 50 t-shirts or whatever. Right. So a new, a new thing that we're starting is if we see, I'm going to use Nikki as the example. Um, we haven't signed anything yet, but we have been uh, vaguely talking about uh, when he releases a t-shirt, we're going to actually front the cost for the t-shirt. We're going to design the shirt for him. He gets to approve it just like WWE. And he's just going to collect, he's just going to collect his uh, merch check. So um, it's, it's basically um, kind of a motivational thing for them to bust their ass a little bit more to get over. Right. You know, so then they have that out. incentive gonna... to have the, the shirt and right. also possibly have some income coming in. Exactly. We're going to give a commission of each of the design from the design. They can push it. They can take it to other promotions if they want. Um, because obviously if I send somebody out with 20 shirts and they come back with 15 and try to tell me they didn't sell any, I know they're lying. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue because we're only going to do this with guys we trust with guys that we know can sell. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll front the cost of the, of the merch. All they have to do is go out there and bust their ass and be the best talent they can be. And then it should, it should sell itself. Um, obviously we're going to promote it and stuff like that, but you get what I'm trying to say. Right. If the talent's there, if the quality of the merch is there, it's going to sell. And this is going to be a way to help make, put extra money in the wrestlers pockets. It's going to help put a little bit of money in my pocket. Everybody wins. Nobody loses. Nobody's getting screwed out of anything. It's going to be high quality shirts, high quality designs, good prices, and both the both the wrestler and the promotion are going to benefit from it. Exactly. I mean, if it's a win-win for everybody, then that's all that matters. But it's just like the thing. Um, you got to have trust when you do that. And if you don't have trust and anybody breaks that trust, then it's hard to actually, you know, continue with it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, short, the shorter answer I could have given you is with our merchandise, we're trying multiple different things right now. We're going to – we're throwing – a bunch of different things at the wall. We're going to see what sticks. This is the time for us to do that. We're going to try a couple things for different, you know, different items. And if they sell, they sell. If they don't, we don't buy anymore. It's that simple. That, that That's, that's a good idea. Um, hopefully that everybody else thinks of that because here's the thing, like you may agree with me, but don't you think that if somebody has an idea, it's always worth to try that other idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you could sit there and, and, and have this idea, and let's say it's not the best idea, but at least it's an idea out there to, for somebody to try. Now, you know, obviously you have to be careful with your money margin or whatever, but, you know, I always recommend people that do use those type of things is try to somehow talk to those companies and get the email list. Or, like my friend um, that is on the committee for this Port Palooza out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, he does something with uh, a company that he owns with his age media to where, you know, those things where you, you put something in there and you text such and such to a number and then you text mm -hmm. the word to it. Like he does that. And to have that go out, because then that's a guaranteed way to where you can just put out that on, on your platform, on your computer, and it goes out to everybody. So, I mean, sure. that kind of stuff is always a good thing to try. Um, but what I'm basically saying is people out there that listen to this, don't be afraid to try new things 
this might be beneficial because you know you're not you're not buying like like you said 50 shirts you're not worrying about if somebody's really selling them or not uh, and you're not really spending any money if I, if i if i'm correct cuz the one that i use and it's bonfire that i use but if mm-hmm. you use that um that money i mean it depends on those i mean i don't know too much about teespring i've heard and i know about them but like bonfire i have to sell a certain amount of shirts first before they're processed so sometimes that's kind mm-hmm. of a, a hard hard uh pill to swallow because you see people that didn't you know they didn't get the four to buy and shirts sometimes are hard to sell but if you have those uh different ideas and you push that then you know re- really not out of money so i mean i think it's a good idea I think more people should should try it. That's same, yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Um, now, what are some of the other merch items that you have? You have the T-shirts. I think I noticed a couple other things, but why don't you go ahead and tell them uh, what other things you so have. have? Right now, we actually have a lot of it's process of us getting. We're kind of rebuilding that big merch rub tour. I want to be a merch giant in the best way possible. Um, we will be returning. So when Tyler, Tyler Jones and I were a tag team, Austin Tyler was at Flexville, we had these uh, teddy bears, as I mentioned, with our T-shirts on them. Those things sold. Everybody told me that was the stupidest idea. Do not get them. And I said, okay, great. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> and we bought 50, I think it was 50 teddy bears in, the, in, the, in that. And within a month, they were all gone. And that was like only like four shows at that time. Four shows, we sold 50 teddy bears. Um, we bought them at the time. They were $4 a piece, and we sold them for 20 and we sold every single one of them. Right on. So we're actually going to be bringing that back. Um, we, we actually, at that point in time, we had bought a bear costume, and we would let, like, if we brought any, like, young guys to the show that didn't get a spot on the show, we'd let them be. Uh, his name was Teddy Flexington was the teddy bear's name. Teddy Flexington. <laughs> Yep. Sounds, sounds like uh sounds like, you know I'll I'll put this out here on on the the podcast. So you're not familiar with this, but there's a back real big backstory about uh the Kodai Radio Network. So there's a friend of mine. People think it's all me, it, and I I kind of was putting it out there to say that it was me in a in a group. It's not me. Mm-hmm. So it's not fully me. It wasn't my idea. The other person does it and is allowing me to do that, but there's the coda bear so mm-hmm. i get that idea with bears because what's better than a bear i mean a cat uh, a dog but what sells everybody wants a teddy bear everybody wants a bear you know so you got to show me these pictures when we get done with the show uh what this bear looked like because that that sounds absolutely amazing but i i get your concept with bears because like that sounds like a perfect name and and the coda bear was a perfect name for my friend that uh is also part of this um this uh promotion uh for the uh kodai radio network but what did you get that idea where did you get that what 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 gave you that like oh we should just call it you know teddy flexington so okay i actually at first i hated the name teddy flexington <laughs> really because that like to me hearing that for the first time i'm like that's gold that that that's 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 money i mean that's kind of like you know where you know teddy roosevelt the teddy bear you know people didn't think that that was going to be a great idea and guess what now that's what everybody calls a bear is a teddy bear but All teddy right, well, flexington okay, come on now what's better than flexing I, and a bear tyler jones uh he he's notorious for coming up with extremely crappy names for things um just so so like just after a while every idea he gave me i hated (laughs) so like uh just for the example just for the example he thought that when we're coming up with a tag name he thought the greatest name ever was called just peachy okay and that was it though he didn't have anything else he just said just peachy yeah, he's like, how about just peachy? And the worst part about it is he was as serious as serious could be. Like straight face, <laughs> stone cold face, like, yeah, like just was, peachy. Right. So and at this time, too, Tyler, uh, he's very open about this. When he started wrestling, he wasn't a talker. And that's actually why we bonded so well was um, I, I didn't think of myself as a good wrestler, but I thought of myself I, at that time, especially, I was great on the mic and I had a good gimmick. Tyler was a phenomenal wrestler, but he couldn't talk worth a damn. <laughs> so that's why we worked so well because, so he'd go in there, he'd take all the heat in the match and he'd, you know, 
do the wrestling. I'd come in, do my fun little, my fun little comeback. I'd hit a frog splash, but I did it with the teddy bear in my hand. So I called it the teddy splash and we were playing oh, money. Oh, okay. So I'm going to call you out on this one. So you didn't like Teddy Flexington, but you liked the teddy splash. Exactly. <laughs> So, okay, so here's the thing, though, is after we started the teddy bears and he proved me wrong on the name and it got over, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give you one more chance. What's the next one? And he told me to call the frog splash the teddy splash. <laughs> That's just where that went. Um, but, no, he – it went over so well. And so we had the teddy bears. Uh, we sold pillows. We sold uh, – so, okay, um, you remember when Shawn Michaels – back in like nine, 96-ish, where he wore the, uh, with his gear, he had kind of like the fingerless, uh, like instead of wrist tape, he had The finger cloth. gloves, yeah, the fingerless biker yeah. gloves, yeah. Right, so, or the, uh, no, I'm talking the, like when he had the, uh, it was more just like a slip over, like it just slipped over. Oh, yeah, 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 up. yep. Um, so we got some of those made. And, well, we didn't get them made, I actually found them from the wholesaler and, repackaged stuff <laughs> but uh and then we just put on there like official glovelets off you know austin tyler present flex feel and we had like because my old gimmick was the cougar hunter and i wore like cheetah print and i hit on people it was very val venus um i have uh it's not me i swear uh my good friend phantasma fuego it's like a luchador gimmick so we had like some that were fire some that were cheetah print some that were pink cheetah print some that were zebra pattern and those cost me a dollar to buy and i sold them for ten dollars the pillows uh it cost me like um for enough fluff to make like 10 pillows cost me five dollars and the t-shirts were shirts that we had left over that didn't sell because that you know we bought too many of one size or something like that yeah and my idea my idea of not selling was we had them after a month or two and we bought like 50, 50 plus shirts at a time. Sometimes we bought a hundred shirts and if there wasn't any left, I just made them into a pillow. Right. And so, well, and then if you broke down what I was getting my shirts for at that time, cause I was getting a great deal on those. Each pillow came down to only costing us about $5 with the fluff and the shirt included for the cop pricing. Um, I sewed them and as well, I had another friend sew them as well, but they did that for free. They were cost us five. We sold them for 20, 25, uh, I think I sold one for like 40. So, I mean, they were, it was printing money. Right. And it was annoying because half the time, whenever we'd get all this new merch, we'd be screwed because we'd sell it all right away. So we'd have to be going to the next week's show without any merch because we sold it all the week before. Oh, that, that, that's kind of a good, good, good way to, uh, to Absolutely. be. Um, Pain in the ass because you have to do all that work, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Right. It was, it was great. It was, I was living, I was probably one of the wealthiest wrestlers you didn't know. Because like I was, I was driving, um, well, and it's all, it's all, you know, being smart too. So we'd bring, you know, uh, I always tried to, you know, if they deserved it and if they wanted it, they got it. But if we got like somebody who's only had two matches and they're like, Hey, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to get paid. I just want to be on a show. I'd tell him, I'd be like, hey, um, hey, promoter, uh, I have a, I don't want to say, I don't want to kill the magic. Uh, I have a friend named Fuego who just happens to look a lot like me. You'll never see us in the same place at the same time. But he's uh, willing to work twice against uh, this new kid I'm bringing. And then we'd, we'd work out our price that way. And so we'd, we'd, the, the money is in the car load. Right, and then if you have an if you have an if you have a hood gimmick or something like that, it's even better because they'll use it too. Yeah, I I mean I know that you're not Flago. I I know you're not him uh, because I've seen pictures, um, but there's yeah you you don't even resemble. You, it, there's a little bit, but yeah I know you're not him. But um, <laughs> the thing is is that it's it's smart to do that. That's a smart way to to conduct yourself. Um, the merch thing, I think it's a brilliant idea. It also keeps you creative. Uh, keeps your mind right, mm -hmm. uh, keeps everything tight. Um, I'd love to keep going into detail, but I'm getting to actually tell from the producer that our time is uh, running pretty short here. Uh, I guess we didn't mean, holy cow, already over an hour. Yeah, we're already we're already over an hour here, which is great, which is perfect. I think, uh, Austin, you need to come back on the show 
because there's plenty of other characters that you've taked, other shows that you're doing. Uh, take this time right now and put it out there for the listeners. Because um, either way, you're going to view it on you know YouTube and on uh, you know Facebook, any social media. Uh, you're listening to it anyway, but tell everybody where they can find you, uh, the Rugged Pro Wrestling uh, social media accounts. Uh, what's your next event coming up? And let's, uh, after we get off the, the show here, let's talk uh, about that prize winning thing for, with the posters and stuff and, and, and keep that going because I try to help out as many people I can. I know my friend that's also part of Coda Bear. That's actually the original guy with Coda Bear. Um, he likes to get the word out from the Midwest. I mean, there's, you know, you do you, you do Facebook, you do YouTube. It's, it's a global thing. But, you know, you do your part, help it out. And a lot of people sometimes don't go to those things and don't know. So, uh, yeah. So give the viewers and listeners the information on how to get a hold of you, how to get a hold of Rugged Pro. And what's your next show coming up here? Ladies and gentlemen, you can find Rugged Pro Wrestling at Rugged Wrestling on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, just type in Rugged Pro Wrestling. You'll find us right away. Uh, be sure to get on our YouTube page. Again, super easy. Just type in Rugged Pro Wrestling. We're the first thing that's going to pop up. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, our next event is a, a, an event I'm very excited about, guys. December 13th, Friday the 13th of December. We are having a fundraiser. We're going to be raising money for the local Toys for Tots slash Salvation Army. It's an amazing thing. It's going to help out people locally. We'll be doing a live stream for the opening match. And there will be a donation link. If you can't make it to the show, please be sure to donate. This is helping an amazing cause. Um, I'm not profiting from the show at all besides the concessions I'm selling. And maybe if you buy a T-shirt. So make sure you buy a T-shirt as well. But we're doing this for the kids, guys. Please be sure to check it out again Friday, December 13th in Marshalltown, Iowa. Or you'll actually be able to catch one of the matches on Facebook, on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for having me, man. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, let's keep in touch. Uh, like he said, go to Facebook, go to YouTube. Uh, you can oh, go on Twitter at Rugged All Capital, uh, lowercase wrestling. Uh, thank you once again. My name is DJ Barbecue. This is Austin from Rugged Pro Wrestling. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. Peace. Peace.